0: This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I am Ryan Kennedy. We got Stephen Ellis behind the scenes cooking up things for you. And as always, we start off with... Little music. Uh, lately, I've been going back listening to Pelican, the instrumental metal band. Uh, you know, they have hardcore roots. Uh, to me, this is a band that they're just so like punishing, but in a really interesting way, and. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't necessarily like harsh vocals. Not a problem with Pelican, because they don't have vocals. And I've been actually going all the way back to their first EP. There's a song called The Woods. It's like 12 and a half minutes long. If you're a drummer, I highly recommend this song, because it's such a great groove. So shout out to Pelican. Uh, Saw them live years ago. They were wonderful. Uh, That's what I've been listening to. But let's get to the prospects, and we're going to start off with... Three to watch, as always, for the 2022 draft, and we're going to talk a bit about the Frozen Four in this podcast, but I'm going to start off with one of the only draft-eligible players that was at the Frozen Four final, that being Jack Devine, the right winger for the Denver Pioneers. I really liked him. You know, this is a kid that was with the NTDP and, you know, one of the youngest players in all of college hockey, but... Nice role on that pioneers team. Uh, he was on a line with Brett Stapley, the Montreal Canadiens pick, and Carter Savoy, uh, the Edmonton Oilers pick, and they did mix up their lines a little bit during the weekend. But you know, Jack Devine has a great motor. He was making a lot of plays. He was really getting in on the forecheck. I thought he put up pretty decent numbers all season, even though the pioneers were very deep and, of course, led in scoring by Bobby Brink, the Philadelphia Flyers pick. But I, I was really impressed with Divine. I, I feel like he might have bumped himself up, you know, 10, 15 picks based on his performance on that weekend, which, of course, led to a national title for the Pioneers. Next player I'm going to mention, Nathan Gaucher, the 200-foot center for the Quebec Remparts of the Quebec League. You know, this is a guy who's physical, makes plays, good hands, had a five-point game the other night. Uh, Had a five-point game a month ago as well. So when he gets hot and when the Remparts get hot, he can really pile up the points. Got a good frame. Uh, Thought he was pretty good at the top prospects game. And he is one of the top prospects out of the Quebec League. He might actually be the first player drafted from the queue this season. I think he's probably kind of a mid-first rounder right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, and the third player I'll mention, Matias Havlid from Linköping, uh Defenseman, son of former NHL, NHLer Nicholas Havlid, and uh, brother of goaltender Hugo Havlid, who's also up for the draft this year. But Matias Havlid, interesting, a smaller defenseman, but he doesn't play small. Scouts say, you know, he plays bigger than his frame. And yes, he is quite good offensively, but he can also make stops on the defensive end. And, you know, the, the Swedish junior playoffs are, uh, they are myriad. And, uh, you know, if you don't know the subtleties of it, it can be quite the maze to navigate. But, Linköping uh, won their J20 final tournament over a Jurgoden team that was stacked. William Eklund was there. Um, Callie Odelius was there. You know, Liam Ogren was there. A bunch of great prospects. And Havlett had three points in that game as Linchaping 152 so looking really good for him and it'll be fun to talk to scouts as we get closer to draft preview and see sort of an update as to where they see him right now I mean he's definitely top 100 question I think now is is he top 75 is he top 50 even uh, so that'll be fun so now with that out of the way let's get to your
1: questions Stephen Team me up well, I asked you in the the main podcast yesterday, but uh, what are your uh, what were your thoughts of uh, Boston and the final four, Frozen Four? Yes, the
0: Frozen Four. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, you know, I, I talked about the atmosphere on the regular podcast. So, uh, and spoiler alert: it was really good. Uh, if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, which you should, but the gameplay was fascinating. Now, obviously, a lot of people. We're cheering for Michigan because they had so many excellent NHL prospects. And, you know, I know there were some writers that just kind of left after they lost to Denver in the semifinal. But, you know, that was a good game. The Wolverines, they never really found their footing. It was kind of a running joke in the press box about how many times they went offside. So details were not on their, on their side on this particular evening. But, you know, Minnesota State, dominant over the Gophers, and... You know, we're going to see, I think in the next couple of days, if Toronto Maple Leafs pick Matthew Nyes leaves the University of Minnesota to turn pro, I wouldn't mind if he stays another year and you know really dominates again, goes for a national title. Brock Faber, the Los Angeles Kings prospect, has already said he's returning to the Gophers, so that's huge for them. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The final game, I swear, one of the most wild finals I've seen in person in my life because Minnesota State, we know they can lock you down. They dried McKay and Ned, who had just won the Hobie Baker the day before. Denver only had four shots midway through the game. But as I like to say, smaller goalies will always break your heart in the end. You know, Denver gets a goal in the third period, follows it up soon thereafter. Michael Benning puts one right over McKay's shoulder. They get another goal soon after, and then... Two empty netters made it 5-1, so it seemed like a blowout. Um, But it was a very different game. And McKay ends up three goals on 15 shots. So not great for the save percentage. But, you know, a pretty remarkable season for the Mavericks. And I I felt bad because their fans traveled so well. And there's such a great atmosphere there. But Denver just did, you know, they just kept at it. They just kept sort of trying to find... Little weaknesses in that defense core and and in the goaltending and eventually they did and you know you got to give them credit for just pushing and pushing and it was you know guys like Massimo Rizzo uh, the Carolina pick that really came through and you know Benning had a great game just so many contributors and it was funny because with the all tournament team you know the media was selecting it and you had to have it submitted before the five-minute mark of the third period so with five minutes remaining your ballot had to be in because obviously they have to tabulate it and whatnot and I remember going to the third period saying like how am I going to design this team because Minnesota State they didn't really have any standouts they were just so good all together and with Denver at this point they were losing they were getting shut out Uh, but then of course Magnus Crona the San Jose Sharks pick he was incredible. You know, McKay didn't have much action. Crona was fending off a lot of Minnesota State shots. So, you know, he ended up being my, my goaltending pick. And, uh, you know, of course, Benning gets the two points. He was on there. You know, Sam Morton scored for Minnesota State, so he was on there. Uh, but just kind of a fascinating final overall and uh, definitely a memorable one. So that's my podcast wrap-up of the Frozen Four, which is... Excellent. So,
1: next question. Well, it's actually related. for the first question. It's it's related to the NCAA and Dryden McKay. Mm-hmm. Scuba Steve asks, Will Dryden McKay get an NHL contract?
0: I don't think he will right away. I think the possibility would be either he signs an AHL contract with somebody, and you know, an NHL t- team takes a look and says, Okay, you know, what can you do at the pro level with a five foot eleven frame? You know, we know he's had. An incredible college career. He is the all-time shutouts leader now, breaking Ryan Miller's record at Michigan State. But I see him sort of closer to Strauss Mann, uh, who was Michigan's starter last season. Ended up going to Sweden and playing incredibly well in the SHL. And then, of course, he was at the Olympics with Team USA. You know, Strauss Mann, I think he's six foot flat. You know, McKay is 5'11". And I, I really think if you're that size, it's an uphill battle. It can be done. You know, you see Saros in the NHL. And, you know, you got a prospect like Dustin Wolf, who uh, has put up great numbers, you know, in junior. And, and he's in his pro career now in Calgary system. But you really have to prove yourself. And a lot of it just, it does come down to size. Because bigger goalies, pucks will just hit them because they're there. So you, you really have to be above and beyond your bigger competition. And, you know, when Minnesota State played Minnesota in the semifinal, the gophers goalie Justin Close, he's only six foot. And so it was basically an even matchup there. And and he really got exposed by uh Minnesota State. They had two wraparound goals on him, neither of which should have gone in. Um but then of course you go into the final Magnus Crona, who's like six five, six six a lot of pucks are going to hit him and then of course he just you know has the talent as well to make stops that's the challenge for Dryden McKay and you know he's had to prove himself his entire career and he's done very very well unfortunately for him he's going to have to continue to prove himself if he wants to eventually get his shot at the NHL
1: next question comes from Paul Ernest what's the best comparable if you had to guess for Owen Power based on how you project his career to go so I'm assuming like when we're talking about him retiring What would you compare him to, to a current player today?
0: Yeah, so... Huge projection. And projection, yeah. He hasn't
1: played his role. By the time this goes out, he will have played his first game.
0: That's right. So, you know, you look at him, the the raw skills and the size, and, you know, Victor Hedman's kind of an easy comparison, or Seth Jones. Um, But, you know, when I look at what he can do on the ice, I'm thinking in terms of a career... Trajectory. I'm wondering if he'll be more of an Alex Petrangelo, a guy that can get you offense, that can play good defense, that can get the puck out of the zone with ease, that will give you some solid numbers, uh, but really just be an all-around uh, solid, for, you know, first pairing guy. You know, even you know, like an even a number one guy as Petrangelo is, uh, because it's it's tough to compare somebody to Hedman now because Hedman. I mean some of the offensive numbers he's put up with the Tampa Bay Lightning are incredible where you know he's been a point per game guy or close to a point per game guy. And that's just I mean that's that's pretty heavy to put on a kid who's just making his NHL debut now. Whereas Petrangelo he's had fantastic numbers but not the same sort of gross uh output as Hedman even though Petrangelo is fantastic in his own right. So I think you know if we're going to be a little more sort of hedged on this in terms of production and impact, I think Petrangelo, another
1: big ne- uh, another big defenseman, might be the way to go right now. Kenny asks, Bobby Brink hasn't received the same attention as some of the other prospects signed as of late. There's been a lot of really good ones, so that mm-hmm. makes sense. What type of player do you see him becoming? I think he's going
0: to be a really valuable player. And it was funny. I went back to my scouting notes on Bobby Brink when I was at the Frozen Four just to see what scouts were saying back in his draft year and of course he he went in the second round to the Philadelphia Flyers um, even though you know when I looked back scouts said back then he had top 10 potential now everyone I talked to said ah, the skating needs to be cleaned up the skating's got not great and he is only sort of 5'8", five, 5'9", five, so that dinged him in the draft but even back then, scouts were saying they saw like a Joe Pavelski, Jay Gunsell kind of player. And I think that's kind of realistic. A guy that can play in your top six. You know, we've seen him play different roles. He was fantastic at the World Juniors for Team USA a couple of years ago, where, you know, he's got a great motor, but he is such an offensively talented player as well. So he can move up and down the lineup a little bit, but you know, the Flyers, they're in a spot right now where they're they're going to rebuild. And, you know, we know we're going to be seeing a lot of these young guys uh, at the end of this season getting reps. Uh, it's going to be really fun to see what Brink can do with this opportunity and what he does next year because he's so smart. I mean, he has incredible hockey IQ. He's got great playmaking vision and He can also score. So I think he's got a a pretty bright future ahead of him. And I think
1: a guy like Joe Pavelski is a pretty good comparable. He's got a great uh, hockey name. He was destined to play hockey. What's his middle name? His middle name is Orr. Bobby Orr Brink. All right. And not to be confused with Bobby Orr, who also got drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, not to be
0: confused with Robert Orr of the Halifax Mooseheads. Yes. Yeah. Completely different
1: guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, LL Cool K... Uh, who's your favorite prospect that isn't getting much attention for this draft? All right. So I feel like we've
0: talked about Lee and Bixell of Lexan before on the podcast. Uh, so I'm going to go a totally different direction here. And this kid was actually uh, in the news the other day because he made his NCAA commitment to Princeton. And that's Arthur Smith, a goaltender with the Lone Star Brahmas of the NAHL. I am fascinated by this kid because he has NHL size and, you know, playing for Lone Star, he's definitely shown some great attributes uh, as a netminder. Now, the weird thing is Lone Star, they're, they're almost, uh, I don't want to say they're the Minnesota state of DNAHL, uh, but when Smith is in net, they rarely give up more than 20 shots. So even if he gives up a goal or two, his save percentage is kind of out of whack, but his goals against average is amazing. And he did get called up to the USHL this year at one point uh to Madison because they were having some goaltending issues and uh you know, he got rocked, but the Capitals were not helping at all. They were playing terrible defense in front of him. Uh, I remember watching one game against the Chicago Steel where every goal was like either a two-on-one or a cross-crease pass where I didn't really think he had any hope of stopping it. I don't think anybody would have. So, you know, I still have to tuck into what scouts think about his overall potential, but I'm really fascinated by the kid. And in a year where there's not a lot of goalies with size... He could be the t- type of project that you take late, and in four or five years, you've got somebody that can really help your organization out. So I don't know at this point if he's going to get drafted, but I would take a chance on him if I was an NHL team.
1: See, Arthur Smith just sounds like a name that you'd expect from someone who's fifty-five years old. <laughs> you yeah, you hear the name Arthur often. You know,
0: it's funny. It's like I think I uh, I put his name into like Elite Prospects, and the only other Arthur Smith was born in like nineteen oh one so
1: it's it's funny because the show arthur was popular with kids like my age and true. and just ended so like it yeah. was around for a long time and you just don't hear a lot of arthur's not a lot of arthur's so. it's true all right uh pro rap loser interesting name says your or nimich which defender would you rather have who That's this a is a toughie and i you know i i'm gonna say at
0: this point because Juracek has been injured for so long, and Nimic is completely tearing up the Slovakian league playoffs, I'm gonna go with Nemec, Um But it's—I mean—it's razor thin. I know some teams prefer Juracek, and some prefer Nimic. You know, you're looking at Juracek at six foot three, Nemich closer to six foot, maybe six foot six foot one. So if you like a bigger defenseman who can do it all, Juracek's your guy. If you like somebody that you know, Nemec is you know that guy that. Can get you know he can give you offensive points. He can be great in his own end. We've seen him excel at the international level as well over the years in the junior ranks. So that to me is one of the best questions in this draft: is who's the first defenseman, and does the second defenseman go the next pick after? Because some team says, "Phew, we ha- we wanted this guy, and they took the other guy."
1: It's almost like it's be better regardless to be the second team because you just don't have to make that decision <laughs> yeah, true just, the decision's out of your hands you're just, yeah and you're probably happy no matter what and the other question is you know for me Shane Wright tier
0: of his own I feel like Logan Cooley is an obvious number two because he's also a center and the upside is so great there but does the defenseman go three I think that's a big question I mean you could go Joachim Kamel you could go your ice nothing wrong with those picks I'd be totally happy if uh you know, if, if I was a team and I got one of those prospects up front. But, I mean, do you believe enough in either Yuricek or Nimic to go number three? I think
1: that's a fascinating question as well. And definitely no wrong answers. So it's cool when you get a defenseman playing against men already. So. Yeah. Already, Coy- Coyote's dog. Thoughts on Jamie McBain being a solid contributor at the NHL? level? McBain. I like old
0: Simpsons references. Um, yeah, you know, I think... McBain, because of his size and because he's always been a pretty good two-way center, there's going to be some great utility there. I I don't think he's a first-line center. Maybe he's a second-line center, but I think he's probably a pretty good third-line center. And what's interesting in Arizona right now is they also just signed Nathan Smith out of Minnesota State. Uh, Kind of a, a similar projection where nathan smith doesn't have the size of McBain, but he has a good two-way game i think smith has more offense he certainly showed more offense this year where he exploded for the mavericks um but i see those guys i i wonder if that's what we're seeing in arizona now we don't know who they're going to get in the draft they could get shane right they could get logan cooley but you know you already have nick schmaltz um and then what happens after that you know um do you go Smith? Do you go McBain? Do you kind of basically see which one of them seizes a role in that sort of middle six? And obviously, you'll have you know other people vying for it. But I, I think with McBain, he just looks like a pretty solid NHLer. Where you know the floor is fourth liner, but I think most likely he's going to be a solid third liner that you know he can use his frame, he can get you some points. You know, you can probably use him on the penalty kill. um, And he can just be
1: sort of a a good, versatile guy for you. Here's a question that I didn't I was going to ask from Red Rara. Just Mm -hmm. came in. Um, When we're looking back at the 2022 draft, how do you think it will compare to 2019, 2020, and 2021?
0: We're looking back at this draft. Well,
1: I would say that
0: I think it's going to be better than last year because... Last year was so wild with the pandemic and no OHL games, only 24 WHL games. You know, the Quebec League played more, but not the full season. Um, so it was harder to project. So we're going to see some, some weird sort of hits and misses from that draft class. And, you know, the years prior, I think, are, are a little more standard. So 2022, I think it's going to be closer to normal um maybe not as easy to predict as 2019 or, or 2018 because you're still looking at players in the OHL that basically didn't play at all last year or maybe played a handful of games at the world under 18 so you don't have that same lineage that you usually would I think next year we'll be back to normal everybody would talk to we talk about for next year's draft We'll say, okay, well, they're underage year. This is what they did. Here's the growth over the summer. Uh, but this year, you know, you're looking at guys like you know Ty Nelson and Danny Jilkin, uh, you know, guys in the OHL that didn't really have much of a resume last season through no fault of their own. Where teams are looking and saying, okay, well, we think we know what we're getting here, but it would have been great if we had a little more research from the year prior and it's just not there so i think we're still going to see some variation and it's and it's hard to say which is going to be the better draft class um, you know i think shane wright is going to be uh an incredible impact player and i think logan cooley has a lot of um potential there as well same with Slavkowski, same with your and Nemic. you know there's some pretty solid options out there and you know, I guess looking at last year, Owen Power, you know, you know he's going to be a top pairing guy. Maddie Beneers, I think it'd be interesting to see what he ends up becoming. Is he a really good number two center? Is he a 1A, 1B center? You know, I know Seattle in the first lineup, at least at practice, they had him on the top line, but it's because the Kraken don't have any centers. So, you know, maybe they, they use him in that role and, and it's a great opportunity for him. But I think it'd be interesting to see what he ends up becoming.
1: All right, and the last question's from T. What's your favorite part about making draft preview? I love this question as well. Uh honestly it's it's putting
0: together the you know the blurbs for the top one hundred, where it's, you know, the top sixty four they're a bit longer and then there's sort of the capsules afterwards. But, you know, my process is I start talking to NHL Team Scouts. Uh this year I actually started later because I felt it would be more accurate so I actually started after Christmas and you know I I will continue to talk to scouts into the world under 18s because that is such a crucial tournament right at the end of the the scouting calendar and talking to scouts is by far the best part of my job Um, you know it's always anonymous so I really appreciate their time and you know the insight they have um, you know the way they can analyze a player's game is remarkable to me. Uh, I love getting a look into their world, and you know a lot of these scouts, uh, you know they're just they're just fun guys to talk to. They have great stories. Uh, they have a lot of personality. You know I have some scouts that I consider like the good cop and the bad cop, where you know you you got to talk to scouts from different regions and then it's good to get, you know, crossover scouts and like, you know, heads of scouts and, you know, guys in Europe as well. You try to get somebody from, you try to get people from everywhere. Uh, You know, I'll even talk to GMs as well because they have an overarching view and some GMs are a little more plugged in than others when it comes to the draft. So, you know, getting that whole picture is really fun for me. And then just assembling that top 100, it's really a puzzle. And it's really difficult, too, because, you know, there's so much variation and all it takes is for one team to believe in a certain player for that player to go from maybe top 50 to, you know, 20th overall in the first round. And, you know, for me, it's like, ah, well, it looks like we really missed on that. But who's to say that player pans out? And sometimes we'll have a guy too high. I remember we had Philip Forsberg number two in his draft year. He ended up going, I think, 11th or 12th. And at the time, I was like, ooh, that was a bit of a miss. But who's the best player in that draft class? It was probably Philip Forsberg. So I felt vindicated uh, by his success. So thank you, Philip Forsberg, for being such a good NHLer. Um, so yeah, talking to scouts, writing those blurbs, because you really, it's almost like, you know, you're like commemorating their season. It's almost like a like a high school yearbook in a way where, you're giving people a sense of how these players got to where they are now and where they could be going, and I just love it. I, I devour draft preview. I go back to it all the time. Same with Future Watch on stands now. But, yeah, that's my favorite part. Yeah,
1: I draft preview was the, the 2006 edition was the one that got me into prospects. Nice. I believe. I want to see Jordan Stahl was on the cover of that one. Hmm, Possibly. I know I could look that up myself, but yeah. I, th- th- that was the Eric Johnson draft, and that's when I learned uh, that a hockey players come from high schools in some cases. That's true. Uh, but uh, then also just kind of just how cool of a thing the prospects were, and I I was sitting at Costco in line with my parents reading every issue, every every story. So nice, but really long line. And that's
0: it. Boom. Well, thank you so much for joining us once again. We are brought to you by BetMGM. I am Ryan Kennedy. That is Stephen Ellis. We'll see y'all later. I can be-